CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. Nearly 10,000 Afghans with ties to Canada remain trapped and targeted in Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. An elusive promise of safe passage has been complicated by bureaucracy and the recent federal election. CTV's chief news anchor, Lisa Laflamme, has the story of one family's life or death journey out, and it's personal. Kabul Airport, August 15th. Just hours after Afghanistan collapses back into Taliban control, a terrifying stampede of thousands so desperate to escape. They're willing to die trying. In under one week, even this will seem like order. For Afghans, once under Canada's wing, the sudden shutdown of the embassy slammed the door on any organized evacuation. What, does he have a Canadian passport? That's Dave Lavery, a former Canadian soldier, now businessman, working risk management in Afghanistan for the past decade. You know that everyone calls you Canadian Dave, all the Afghans we've been dealing with. How do you feel about that? role you've played over these last many weeks. I've been in Afghanistan for 10 years and a lot of people always called me Canadian Dave and it was easy and it was a, a code identifier. Dave's been thrust into the role of savior by default. He may be the only Canadian left in Kabul who can run interference between the Taliban and the Afghan families pleading for a flight out. 10,000 kilometers away in Canada, Roya Shams is haunted by those images. Her entire family is on the Taliban's radar. Her father, a colonel in the Kandahar police force who worked alongside Canadian forces, was assassinated when Roya was 13 years old. When my dad got assassinated, the family just shattered. Um, my house was hand grenaded. Um, half of the house was gone. At 15, Roya was gone too. Granted a Canadian visa and her mother's blessing, she was secretly spirited out of the country by Canadian journalists and into an Ottawa high school, a scholarship at Ashbury College. And immediately, a cherished member of my own family. For all these years, as close as a daughter, through holidays and milestones, Roya, to me, was every girl I had met during a decade of covering Afghanistan. They believed education was the answer, but to the Taliban, it was always the enemy. Why is your family a target of the Taliban? Because my family stands for every value that the Taliban are against. My family continued, whether it's in healthcare, in journalism, in human rights, and, and now they're the biggest target. And for 10 years, this has been their only connection. How are your kids and how are you guys holding off? Her sister, a medical doctor, is speaking from a safe house in Kabul, 
where all 27 members of the family have made it because of Canadian Dave and the Veterans Transition Network, a volunteer group of ex-soldiers armed only with public donations and the will to save those who helped save them during the combat mission in Kandahar. Thousands of them now trapped in a drainage ditch outside the airport. Interpreters, drivers and cooks now wave Canadian citizenship papers, Ottawa stamped visas and call out for Canadian Dave. It was something that people could shout out and it would assist them getting through and navigating through the crowds and then they could get closer to the lines. But the line between life and death is getting thinner, more dangerous by the day. They are shooting. They are our money, money people. Are you in danger? Yes, sure. I am in the city Hamid, a name we'll use for his safety, is one of them. He's a Canadian citizen, like untold others in this crowd, but can't even get near the airport. His official travel letter from Ottawa is proving worthless. So are the conflicting emails from Canada's Immigration Department, IRCC. Today, IRCC sent me an email to go to the Northeast Gate. They will send Canadian forces to the gate to take us to the airport, but it did not happen. IRCC emailed me again and told me to go to the Baron Hotel Gate, but there are Taliban's. If they find that we work with Canadians, they will kill us. The Taliban was coming towards airport and they ran for their life. Any minute of that, this journey has been life and death. Somewhere in that sea of desperation is Roya's family. 18 kids and an ailing mother, exhausted and losing hope after wading through that same sewage, begging for entry at the airport's Baron Gate. They would make their way to Berengate, wait in that sewage for hours and hours. And uh, two days in a row, they were in that sewage, trying, sh waving the red scarf, calling Canadian, no action. And that's the time when kids were about to die. My nieces and nephews. My mother was out of oxygen. So your mother was in ill health in a crowd of thousands of people. What did they tell you about that time? They were terrified. Uh, my older brother, that I've never seen him crying, he cried. He said, Dre, if you want us to stay here, if we want to stay here, we might lose our mother. For the youngest in the family, that's a lot of pressure. Together, they decide to abandon this latest attempt at escape. At midnight in Napanee, Ontario, former Special Forces officer Paul Carroll, five tours in Afghanistan, is part of that group of retired generals and soldiers in round-the-clock communication with Canadian Dave. I'm gonna head up to the gate and okay. check for any, I do my rounds, if I round up this Canadian, I'll grab him, I'm not gonna leave him up there. Thank you. Okay, yeah, a lot of guys. We are all frustrated with the entire situation but the government has been the most frustrating part of this. Paul's trying hard to help fill the void Ottawa left wide open. 
When things got bad, the only country that completely abandoned its post was Canada. The French ambassador, the British ambassador, they were on the ground. There wasn't a single official representative of the Canadian government in Kabul. For a period of four days, I think it was, the only Canadian they could find was Dave. And Dave has found them. He's shepherded hundreds of desperate families into safe houses like this one in Kabul, including Roya's. All right, kitchen operation. We've got a nice slick cup. It's getting better every day. A temporary home, safe for now. But after weeks with no flight out, her young cousins born long after her escape, and now sick and dehydrated, treated by their doctor mothers using smuggled IV lines. But quitting is not an option. Roya, you've imagined a million times a reunion with your family. I imagine seeing my mother after 10 years, <laughs> imagining the nieces and nephews I've never met. I even plan like how my sisters can practice even as a nurse is here. Um, even an ESL school for my mother, because she will be the first one who will sign up. <laughs> I know that. In any language, Canadian Dave is now inextricably linked. It's hard. You know, you try not to get emotionally attached to anybody. You can't, not when you're dealing with numbers and volume of people. They're all important. One of those families is the Shams family. And I want to bring in, um, it's very emotional for me also, Roya Shams, who has uh, he's been, we've been working, we're helping here through you. And I just am so happy to introduce the two of you. So this is Canadian Dave. Hi, Roya. <laughs> Hi, Dave. <laughs> Sorry. Just want to thank you. And thank you for your, everything you do and your group does. It's just in this inhumane world to see somebody rest their own life and everything to help others. It's just unbelievable. Thank you. Coming up. And then the news. A vicious attack on the helpless. It's a humanitarian crisis at its worst condition. When W5 continues. August 26th, in the waning hours of America's longest war, its worst enemy strikes again. An ISIS suicide bomber attacks the crowd of thousands waiting at the Kabul airport gates, turning the only avenue of escape into a death trap. Just 90 minutes earlier, the Shams family was heading that way, leaving their hiding place one more time. For, for a moment, it was an apt moment. We are leaving. The youngest daughter, Roya Shams, follows their every move from her new home in Canada. She escaped Afghanistan on a scholarship a decade ago and has been working hard to bring her family here ever since. Now, a last-minute alert and everything freezes. A U.S. warning of an attack cancels their airport plan saving their lives. 
and then the news. Nearly 200 people died that day, including 13 U.S. troops. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. In the 20 years since the 9-11 attack on America, Afghanistan, the country that sheltered the terrorists, has come full circle. Back under Taliban rule and a threat as potent as ever. For 12 years, Canada was part of that international war on terror. More than 40,000 troops fought. 165 soldiers and civilians never came home. Dave Lavery, ex-military, saw it then and now. I call it, you know, it's a humanitarian crisis at, 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 its, at its worst condition. Canadian Dave helped create Canada's elite special forces. He's seen the world's worst crises. I've been around the world. I was senior advisor with the UN um, for 10 years. So we, we, we've seen disaster, we've seen misery. But this was completely different because it was something that shouldn't have happened. For months, former military alerted the Canadian government that the Taliban threat was mounting. Dave was living it long before Canadian forces even landed. You know, I've had families giving me their kids, uh, you know, they were dehydrated, exhausted, um, trying to navigate through thousands of people. That's after navigating mountains of paperwork in English to obtain Canadian visas. Meaningless on this retaining wall around the Kabul airport. And mentally, you have hundreds and hundreds of people who see you as Canadian Dave who can help me get out of this hellhole. By having that handle, you know, it's good and bad, but it saved lives, and that's at the end of the day, that's, that's all we care about. But after the bombing, the evacuation ended as abruptly as it began. Soon, the last American soldier is also gone, and the largest airlift of civilians in American history is over. By August 31st, the Kabul airport is a junkyard of disabled military hardware, once powerful, now useless and abandoned. Not far away, families like the Shams hide in safe houses, feeling trapped, their situation increasingly hopeless. Do you guys even feel safe there? You are not feeling comfortable. They can think anytime the Taliban or ISSK or anybody could appear there, and that could be the end of their lives, with, with, given that the whole family is together and the children. How is mom? How is she doing? She's sick. Roya last saw her mother when she left for school in Canada 10 years ago. What's your last memory of your mother? The last hug she gave me. And maybe she knew that I might not be able to never make home, or she might never see me again. And um, she gave me a hug, and she said, yes, it's hard, but I believe in you. And, and you're going to bring your dad's dream alive. I've never seen her again.
for retired Special Forces Major Paul Carroll, like Canadian Dave, helping Roya's family after five tours in her homeland has become personal. She's asking for questions. So polite. So sorry to bother you. So she's under tremendous stress. But she puts on the brave face for her family. Hi, Paul. All is well. Just wondering if you have any update for me. Yeah, so th there are um, reconnaissances uh, happening uh, to check out uh, routes uh, to the east and to the north. Uh, and given you know circumstances on the ground, it's hard to say how long that information would remain valid. <sighs> okay, so the best advice is to stay shelter in place for now. Un unfortunately, it remains shelter in place. The only option left is the riskiest over land. But we're now at the point where if they don't get out, it's not good. The veterans merge their mission with a Canadian NGO. Journalists for Human Rights has also been investigating alternate routes over land for the Afghan journalists, interpreters and their families they've taken on. Together, they coordinate a plan of escape for the hundreds of families hiding in safe houses across Kabul. Under the cover of darkness, the first convoy, including half of the Shams family of 18 children and nine adults, begin an overnight drive to the Pakistan border. At daybreak, they're traveling along the Khyber Pass through the Hindu Kush Mountains, a gateway to danger. Taliban checkpoints pockmark the route. Waiting for news is the longest night of Roya's life. 12 hours in, they cross that chaotic border, the first taste of freedom, half the family now safe in Islamabad. This is Roya's eldest sister, Dr. Shagufa Shams. Yes, the, from Kabul to Pakistan passing, is, uh, we was uh, a lot of Taliban, but we are very afraid and nervous what had happened. But God is kind, we will arrive to the border. One of the most dangerous borders in the world. Days later, a convoy brings the rest of the Shams family out of Afghanistan on, of all dates, September 11th. Here, waiting to be processed, they call Roya with another setback. Her seven-year-old nephew, Yama, has been held back because of paperwork, an added complication to an already terrifying ordeal. After hours of negotiation, Yama is safe, and the next step for this family begins. Six weeks to the day from leaving Kandahar, they are now together in Islamabad. Oh my God. Just seeing this footage is like a tidal wave for Roya. Here's my mother and the sister that I literally grew up with and she raised me. They are safe, it's magical to see that. It's been a decade since Roya left her homeland of Afghanistan. Now, a crisis is bringing her family here to Canada. 
a reunion Roya has dreamed of and worked for, is about to happen. This is becoming real, in real, in real, so. The plane carrying half of Roya's family lands at Pearson International. From outside the terminal, the anticipation is overwhelming until she catches the first glimpse. <laughs> then a nephew she's never met comes running. <laughs> Finally, they clear customs. The years and strangeness of a new place melt away. Roya is back in the arms of her big sister. Dr. Shagofa Shams, caregiver to so many. Now it's Roya taking care of her. One family reunited against all odds. Their dark journey is now over. You know how people say there's a light at the end of the tunnel? Now I should believe that. 100% bright future. And there are more tears to come. Roya just got the news that she has been longing for. Her mother will be arriving in Canada within days. You've been listening to CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes.